Hi there, your host Janika here. Welcome to the Just You podcast. If you've arrived here, there's absolutely no coincidence. It means you're ready to take control of your life story and make the narrative yours. Let's get into it. Hi, storytellers. To kick us off this week, I just really wanted to connect and share my love at the beginning of the episode. As you now likely know a little bit more about me, I've been a storyteller by trade and my education and career has really been built on crafting narrative for brands and people and events, you name it. I got to work with some incredible teams that brought Netflix to Australia. I worked in Microsoft Teams, eBay, QT Hotels and more. But as I've been getting my little studio set up and leaning into my passion of sharing with people that are genuinely interested in the power of using their own unique voices, I feel like I've unlocked this passion of mine that I didn't even know I had. It's just been an absolute blast. I've loved connecting with you storytellers far and wide and hearing about everybody's unique individual stories. And it's going really well. At the moment, we've got a wait list of interviews for you guys to hear. And I really wanted to open the floor to you all. If there's a particular person that you'd like to hear from, please keep the emails and messages coming. I really had this dream to connect like-minded people who were ready to take control of their narratives and use storytelling to express themselves. And it's really coming to life. It's been an absolute pleasure, friends. So let's keep this story rolling. Today on the show, I connect with published author Mercedes Mercier. She's signed to Harper's Collins and she writes that kind of just one more page crime with twisting plots and relatable characters. As well as writing books, Mercedes, in her spare time, works in the criminal justice system, providing her unique insight into the world of prisons, crimes and offenders. After a brush with death, she decided to throw herself into life, which I so appreciate. She resides in Adelaide now, but she's lived overseas. She's a black belt in karate. She's skydive. She volunteers with animals. The girl is really cool. And she's currently actually writing her second novel, which is going to be published in 2023. You know, when she doesn't have her nose in the laptop or she isn't writing new stories and reading, she is the type of girl that tries new restaurants, she travels, and she, of course, listens to True Crime Podcast. We discussed her journey into writing her first book, White Noise, and how that call that she received telling her that it was going to be published, how that went, which was awesome to hear about. She also shares information with us on how she lifted the veil of comparison off herself to realize that she too held the authority and the talent to venture into storytelling. Our conversation touches on self-limiting beliefs, imposter syndrome, a brush with death and living with no regrets. Ah, it's such a good chat and one that really sits close to my heart following my own brush with the other side. So stories like Mercedes are why I do this. If we can influence just one person to step into their storytelling power and just go for it, then that's a freaking job well done. So enjoy the chat, guys. Hello, and I'm connecting with you, Mercedes Mercier. How are you? I'm good, thanks, Janika. How are you? Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. I'm, I'm so looking forward to it. I have 100 questions for you, especially about your debut novel, White Noise, published with HarperCollins and everything juicy about that and, and how exciting that's been for you and that journey. But before we begin, I want to ask, what does storytelling mean to you and why is it so important? I think storytelling is what it means to me and why it's so important, I think are the same sort of thing. And I think it's that connection with other people and it's that human, sharing that human humanness, that human spirit, that human essence, I guess, 
in a way that it, there's there's not many other other ways that people can share humanity like they can through storytelling it's sort of i think it you know it transcends location class education you know everything that sort of can separate humanity i think storytelling transcends and can connect in a way that yeah not not, not much else can and yeah. and i think that's why that's why it's so important to me because i love the idea that knowing you know someone on you know in a completely different part of australia completely different background to me you know completely different life can pick up my book and read it and read the things that i've you know put down into paper and it just it just blows my mind that 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 can happen through through storytelling Absolutely. And I love that bit that you're saying about just connection. You're able to be connected to people that you've never met and may not have very much in common with on paper, but then as they read, they're able to take away bits from your book and relate it to their experiences in their life. And it just forms this connection that you wouldn't have even thought is possible. It's magical. I had this um, man who I think he'll probably be in his maybe 70s, 80s, um, message me and just say, you know, how much he loved white noise and how he couldn't put it down. And he was like, congratulations, love. It was wonderful and all this sort of stuff. And I just thought, what a beautiful, you know, moment that this man that I've never met, you know, completely different age bracket has taken the time out, has read my book and taken the time out to, to then message me and let me know how oh. much he enjoyed it. And I, yeah, I just, it's, it's, that connection, you know, those moments with other with other people that you, I would never have probably never met this man in my life otherwise. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's so beautiful. Thanks for sharing that. That's like he's taken the time out of his day to reach out to you and read your book and know about your story and your journey and and appreciate the written word through the story. That's so lovely. That warms my heart. The whole day. Yeah. <laughs> I'm oh my so gosh. Thinking about it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, just taking that time. That's beautiful. And so obviously, I think a big part of it too is you'd likely recognise that being a published author with HarperCollins is a huge achievement. So congratulations. That's incredible. I'd love to hear a little bit about how you found your, you know, skill in writing and, and how you stepped into that huge endeavour of writing a book. I think I've I've always always known I wanted to to be a writer even as a even as a little girl I had you know this little diary this pink glitter diary and I would just it's just full of stories all about you know that they, they were all about a girl with with long hair and a bunny so you know oh, yeah. I've still got long hair but unfortunately I don't have a bunny yeah but I think I always knew that I wanted to be a writer and for a long time, I just sort of saw it more as a hobby and I did it when I felt creative or when the mood struck me or, you know, I, I had the time. And then in 2016, I sort of thought, actually, I don't want this to be a hobby anymore. As much as I enjoy it as a hobby, I want it to be a career. I actually want to, to, to do this full time and, you know, be able to, to, to build a career from it. So I did a 
Fiona McIntosh Masterclass. And mm -hmm. Fiona McIntosh, if you don't know, is a best-selling um, Australian author. And she runs this wonderful masterclass. I think it's once a year. It used to be twice a year, but I think it's once a year now. And it's five-day intensive masterclass on um, writing commercial fiction. So it, you know, takes you through the whole process, writing the book, you know, publication, promotion, just, just basically awesome. everything. And yeah, so I, I did that course and throughout it, Fiona sort of sat me down and I, and I was, I came to it writing a completely different genre. I was writing sort of commercial women's fiction and romance, which, you know, I still love. Um, but I have, to be honest, I've always loved crime and crime was what I, I read mostly, you know, crime thrillers. Yeah. They were the books that, you know, I'd pick up in my spare time and read. And so Fiona sort of sat me down at the masterclass and said, you know, with your, with your background in corrections, it's so unique. Why don't, why don't you write crime? And I, I walked away and I thought, it's, it's so true, but I was... I think I was really intimidated to write crime because I love it so much. I just had this sort of this block and this, this lack of self-belief. I thought, oh, I can't, you know, all these amazing crime authors that, I, that I've read, I, I, just, I just can't do it. I can't, you know, I, I can't craft this story with all these twists and turns and clues and red herrings. I just, yeah, I just, I don't think, I don't think I can. Big shoes. Yeah. Yeah. So for years, I, I didn't. I didn't write crime. I, I wrote in commercial women's fiction and romance, which I loved and which I really thoroughly enjoyed. I also enjoy reading those those genres. Mm. Um, and I put manuscripts out to publishers and had meetings with publishers, but they were rejected sort of every time, unfortunately. And then a couple of years ago, I don't know. Something just something just changed in me and I just sort of thought, hang on, why can't I write a crime novel? Why can't I do it? I love that. Yes. <laughs> Go girl. Yes. And so that was sort of a real, a real turning point, I think for me. And I sat down and because of my background, I knew if I was going to write a crime novel, I was, I always knew it was going to be based in a, in a prison. Mm -hmm. And so I sat down and I started writing and you know, to my surprise, it just sort of, the words just came out of me. Yeah. <laughs> That's not to say that, you know, the whole process of writing the book was, was easy because it wasn't. Um, but I think that that initial point and that just that sitting down and the, you know, just writing and suddenly thinking, hang on, I can actually do this. I can, I can write this. Uh, yeah. Pushed you through. And especially, I love that point that you say where you all of a sudden it just clicked and you were writing from really a sense of authenticity because you did have this knowledge and this experience and this insight. And perhaps for our listeners at home, can you just let us know, you know, what your experience was like in the criminal justice system? And do you still work within that now as well as your endeavours as an author? I do, yes. Yeah. So I still work, work in the criminal justice system. Um, worked in corrections for about the last eight years. Wow. And I I love it. It's it's just it's so it's very very challenging, but it's so interesting and so rewarding, and just the people I work with are just the most wonderful people that 
you know, are in it for the right reasons and are trying to make a difference in the world and work in an environment that's, I think a lot of the time it's quite hidden away from, from mainstream society. Like a lot of people don't know what goes on behind, you know, behind prison walls. And I think a lot of the time they just expect the worst all the time. And, you know, prisons are very challenging. There's, there's lots of, lots of negative things that happen, you know, inside a prison, but there's also, there's also these people that work in there every day that are trying to rehabilitate these prisoners, these inmates, and, you know, make them, make them better people when they, when they go back out into society than they were when they came in. Yeah. You know, it's, it's probably something that most people don't, really think about unless you know unfortunately they are a victim of crime is that the majority of inmates will be released again at you know at some point mm-hmm. and it's the job of you know, everyone that's working within the prison system to ensure that that cycle of crime is you know is broken and those inmates come out being better and you know reducing the reducing the rates of crime reducing the you know, rates of victims of crime. Yeah. And it's just such an important job. And yeah, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a really wonderful, rewarding, challenging um, place to work. Yeah. How powerful is that? And it also helped you give birth to this story that's been brewing in you to, to share. And I'll just, you know, your new book has people saying it's, you know, a true edge of your seat type of thriller that makes you turn the page and want to finish it all. And I've been reading reviews and people are saying they've read it in one sitting and it's been an incredible book. So, you know, for the people at home, I'll sort of share with you my sort of synopsis and then Mercedes just jump in if you think there's anything I need to add. But essentially it's about Dr. Laura Fleming, who's a prison psychologist and she's assigned to a really charismatic inmate called Justin Jones to assess him for parole when alarm bells start to ring. (laughs) And she needs proof and fast before he's released. So Laura also has a lot on her plate. You know, she deals with her own painful mistakes that have destroyed her marriage and reduced access to her daughter. She also has to prove herself along the way. As she edges closer to the truth, both her personal and professional life begin to collide and threaten to unhinge everything that she holds dear, including her job, her family, and even her sanity. And that already makes people want to jump in. Like I read when I organized this interview with you a couple of weeks ago, I told my mom, I was so excited. And she um, read the back of the synopsis and I told her about the book and she's like, Oh my gosh, can I borrow it? I want to read it. And I was like, yeah, (laughs) absolutely. Yeah. So I just think it's so cool that you've pulled from your lived experience working in the criminal justice system. And then you've weaved that knowledge in to the storytelling that you've done. And I'm just curious because I started following you a while back and watched your journey of, you know, when you got your book deal and then you've been commissioned to write these books. And I just really want to know how it felt when you got that call, like that initial email or call of, hey, we're really interested in what you have to say. I'll I'll tell you what happened because it's kind of a funny story. So I'd been getting a lot of spam calls at that sort of at that point in time they've calmed down now but I used to be getting sort of two or three a day and there were just a mobile phone number that I didn't recognize um 
and yeah, it wasn't a blocked number or anything like that. And so I was at home one day and this phone number came up on my phone and I looked at it, didn't recognize it and just thought another spam call. Spam. Bye. Exactly. (laughs) And so I just ignored it. And I think I probably, I think I walked out of the room and then I came back and there was a message and I was like, Oh, okay. That's strange. It mustn't have been a spam call. So I listened to this message and it was my editor, the wonderful Roberta Ivers from HarperCollins. And she said, hi, Mercedes, I'm just wondering if you can call me back. I've got some good news for you. Oh, my. And I think the second I heard that, I just started shaking and my whole body was just like trembling and I was getting teary already. And so I called her back straight away and she offered me the the two book deal. And I think I was, I was just in tears, basically, the, the whole phone call. So I was kind of... I wasn't very coherent and so she sort of had to, you know, talk me through everything and, you know, sort of carry the conversation whilst I was, you know, in between sobs. (laughs) Um, And uh, I'm so thankful it sort of went like that, I guess, because I could keep that that, um, voice message and I've saved that on my phone. And, you know, sometimes when, you know, I'm feeling... being a published author is is wonderful, but there is some there is some downsides to it too. There are some negatives, and a lot of that is you know the the, the self doubt and the comparison to to other authors. And mm-hmm. I think especially because it's first time, I'm always thinking, am I doing it right? Is you know everything going as as well as it should be? You know that kind of stuff. Um, and so it's really nice to be able to go back and listen to that message. And just remember the pure excitement that I felt at that moment and that that kind of feeling that, you know, it sounds a bit cliched, but literally my, my dreams had come true. Like my, oh. my whole life dream was to be a published author and then I had it, you know, offered to me and it was just, yeah, one of the best moments of my whole life. Oh, my goodness. I'm smiling ear to ear. For everyone that can't see me right now, I'm smiling so big for Mercedes. I look like a crazy person, but I just completely feel you on that where it's like you have this moment that's completely life-changing and you're able to see all these doors and opportunities open for you and you simply just kept at it. And writing a book is a huge endeavour and takes so much time and discipline and skill to do. And then to finally have someone come back and appreciate art that you've created and be wanting to share it with you, that must have just felt incredible. So, oh my goodness. I'm so glad you've been able to keep that and keep that message. I know. I'm really glad it it it, it sort of went down like that because yeah, I, I do get to sort of keep a, you know, a little moment of 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 that um of that time and I just, you know, I hope nothing ever goes wrong with my phone and I really hope I never lose it. (laughs) Yeah, record it on something else and then keep it forever. (laughs) Yeah, and I want to touch on and circle back to those points you made about that self-doubt and just that imposter syndrome that I think all of us feel and any advice that you'd give to writers who are in the same shoes that you were, you know, 12 months ago you know, in terms of stepping into their storytelling power and just going for it? I think, to be honest, I think for me, I almost got got fed up 
of myself and I got fed up of my own self-limiting beliefs and I kind of just thought why why do I think that I can't do this why am I telling myself that I can't do this if if I sit here and I tell myself you can't write a crime novel then of course I can't write a crime novel but if I turn it around and say to myself you can do this then I can do it you know I think just the power of the the mind is just so is so huge and I think at that point in time I was also doing a lot of I was sort of like doing mantras as well it sounds a bit (laughs) oh no that's right up that's right up my alley go for it yeah so I was you know I was in the morning I was I was saying these things to myself like you can do this you know you're strong you're you know you're powerful you, you can do this and I think actually saying those words out loud to myself every morning in the mirror just had a huge impact that I, I wasn't quite sure that it actually would have, but it really did. And I think it's that difference between saying it out loud as well, rather than just thinking it, that, that just really sort of had, it, had a huge effect on me. And I think that was, you know, that sort of, those mantras, but also that getting to a point where I was fed up with thinking that I couldn't do something. And I, I was seeing all these, you know, all these amazing books come out and all these wonderful, you know, authors having their, their success story. And I just thought, hang on, I really want that to be me. Why can't it be me? Why can't it? Yeah. And you've just touched on such a big love of mine, which is mantras. And I, specifically with me and meditation and just affirmations and how important that self-talk is. And I think that if you start with yourself as your authentic person and you go forward with whatever you want to do, whatever your passion is, whatever your story is that you want to share, as long as you believe in it and you give it your heart, I really think you can't go wrong. So the mantras make perfect sense to me and I'm so glad you were able to find those and, and use those to help you through that, that huge process. And it, yeah, it was a big process. And, and like you said before, imposter syndrome, it is, you know, it is one of those things that plagues, I think, all creatives probably. And it's such a terrifying thing, putting a piece of your own work out into the world to be, to be critiqued and, you know, you can, you, you know, in your own head that it's not going to be for everyone. You're going to get people that love it. You're going to get people that hate it. You're going to get people that think it's okay. Yeah. But I think when, you know, those moments when you do get, if, if you do get, you know, feedback that isn't, isn't as, as positive as what you are hoping, it, it, you know, it does hurt and it is, it is hard and it is a challenge. And I think that in, imposter syndrome can can rear up and that's when it can sort of you start to think hang on who am I to do this who am I to yeah look and I think that is where those mantras and that that self-belief are really are so important because if you don't believe in yourself no no one else is is going to oh absolutely yeah and even if no one else does believe in you if you believe in yourself you know, at the end of the day, that's, that's the most important thing. 
Yeah. And when those moments of self-doubt creep up and that imposter syndrome knocks on the door, as long as you've got some things in your toolbox, whatever they may be that you can pull out and use to help you through that, I think that's just key. It's such an important point. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I actually, I read this and I'm curious if you're open to sharing about this, but I did read that, you know, you'd had an experience, a, a near death experience and that is something that you and I have in common. And I'm just wondering if there's anything that you'd like to share on that in terms of how that might've assisted you in leading you to this journey of where you are now. Yes, sure. So mine probably wasn't as, as dramatic as, you know, a lot of people might be thinking, but I, um, I'd been living overseas. I'd been living in London and I came back home and a couple of days after I came back home, I just had this really terrible backache. And I just thought, oh, I'd been on a plane for 24 hours. You know, it's probably just, just that. And then it started to sort of turn into a bit of a stomach ache and I was getting all this like bloating and just felt really strange. So I went to the hospital and they sort of had a really brief look at me and they said, oh, it's just period pain. Mm, yeah I'll go home and you know get over it basically see you later yeah <laughs> so I did but I did go home um and I think a couple of hours later I was in the bath and I was just you know still just in so much agony and I just thought no nah, I need to go I need to go back so I went to a different hospital and thankfully they admitted me and examined me properly and found out that I'd had my appendix had burst. Oh my but gosh. I had what they call, I think it's called a retrocecal appendix, which means that it didn't grow in the normal spot. So I think normally the pain you feel if you have appendicitis is in your lower right hand side, possibly. I hope that's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but mine sort of grew up my back a bit more. So that's why it felt like I had a backache and why there wasn't that, you know, that I guess that symptom that you know I, I had appendicitis and so it got worse and worse and worse and then my appendix exploded and then I had sort of sepsis and you know the when I went to the hospital the second one they were just like thank goodness you came oh back my gosh. You know, 24 hours you know if you'd left it another 24 hours you would have died basically so wow yeah so I was I was pretty young I was I was 19 at that point and I was at a pretty pivotal time in my life I'd just taken a year off after high school before uni I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life I knew you know I've always known I've wanted to be a writer um, or have something to do with writing but you know it's kind of one of those elusive <laughs> I think it seems like an elusive dream it's like you know when you say you want to be like a not that it's on the same level, but, you know, you want to be like a movie star or astronaut, sort of something like that for people. And they're like, okay, but what are you actually going to do? You know, yeah. <laughs> they're like, all right, that's, that's great to dream. But what, you know, what are you going to do in the meantime to, to make some money essentially? Yeah. Do you want to try finance? <laughs> Get a commerce <laughs> exactly. degree. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and so I, I did go back to, uh, I did go to uni and I ended up doing like a media and comms degree because I knew that I wanted to do something with writing and I wanted to be writing, you know, every day of my life, whether or not that was writing a novel or 
what I you know ended up doing, which was writing press releases and speeches and news articles, and yes. which is wonderful. I love I love doing that too. Um, and I think I think it just gave me this this feeling that you know life is short and you've just within reason you know you you've got to you've got to do what you want to do and i think my biggest fear that that instilled in me was looking back on my life and having regrets so i think from that moment onwards i thought i just want to give everything a go even if it fails it horribly you know even if i hate it you know even if nothing works out at least i can look back and say hey I gave that a go. I know that it's not for me, but it's better than not knowing. Oh my goodness. I'm nodding ferociously because (laughs) I so feel that it's, it's so much worse to look back. I think at the end and think I should have done this or why didn't I say this? Why didn't I share this? I just, after my experience, I had this burning desire to just do everything that I wanted to do the way I knew I was supposed to do it. And yeah, it, it's it's funny when you kind of start stepping into that self-power, you know, in the beginning, we had people asking both myself and my husband, like, is Janika okay? Like, she's going full on. Like, we moved our family back from Canada to Australia and big career changes. And yeah, it was just, I just knew that this was the way I wanted to live my life was helping others share their story and understand the importance of how their stories can impact on others. So I'm yeah, nodding ferociously because I completely get you on that. Yeah. And just to end our chat, I was wondering if you were mentoring your younger self, what would you tell her about stepping into her storytelling power? I think I would give her a big hug <laughs> and I would say, you don't need to, to self, to doubt yourself, so much believe in yourself and even though it's a dream that sort of seems like it's got everything stacked against it you need to just give it a go give it your all and just shake off this this self-doubt this that you are the only person that has put this self-doubt on yourself and you're the only person that can that can take it off as well and until you start believing in yourself and you know supporting yourself no no one else no one else is going to yeah just get out there and start creating just Absolutely. do it and i think a lot of people a lot of people myself especially i'm a bit of a perfectionist a bit of a control freak a little bit and i think right like writing badly scared me but I think once I started connecting more with other authors and, you know, all these published authors have said my first draft was absolute rubbish. My first draft was just me telling myself the story and then I went back and every draft after that just got better and better and better. And so that kind of took a whole lot of the pressure off and I just thought, hey, I can write this first draft, that it might be terrible, but that's all it is. It's a first draft and I have to allow myself to, to, I guess, feel the fear, but to write badly and that's not the end of the world. 
it's I think it's that thing of even if you fail like I you know like I said before even if you fail at least I gave it a go and that's so much better than not doing it because I'm scared that it's not going to be perfect and then years down the thinking I wish I'd written that novel I wish I'd just done it yeah yeah that is so powerful thank you so much for your time today I've absolutely loved our chat thank you so much and thank you so much for inviting me this is this has been amazing yeah awesome okay Mercedes chat soon thank you bye gosh guys this workshop what I'm about to bring to you today it honestly changed my life. It came during a conversation that I had with someone that I value very much. Her name is Tracy Dimmick. And if you don't know who she is already, she's a Australian published author, bestselling. She hosts a very brilliant and knowledgeable podcast called Turns Out She's Psychic because, oh, big one, she is a leading psychic medium. I trust her very, very much and in a chat that we were having, she shared advice that I really needed to hear in a way that I needed to hear it exactly when I needed to hear it because, oh, surprise, she's psychic, yeah. But I'm going to take you through the principles of what we chatted about with that main takeaway and then the advice mixed through that from what I've taken now from her conversation with me and where I sit with it. Like Mercedes shared so openly about her struggles with imposter syndrome and self-limiting beliefs, I too really struggled with these emotions in pursuit of my vision. I think it's something that as storytellers we go through because when you put a piece of yourself out there, a story, an idea, a piece of art, content, your opinion, your dream, you're vulnerable to the subject of others and it's not always what you want to hear. That fear of the unknown can stop you dead in your tracks before you even start or sabotage you along the way. It's such a thief. And yeah, it's really easy to say on paper, just go for it. Who cares? But there is a piece in all of us that I think really doubts. Am I ready? You know, what if people don't like it? What if they don't want to hear it? Particularly when you've got a big dream in your vision of where you want and where you know you need to go. And you think, how the hell am I going to get there? I'm nowhere near that. Let's use Susie, for example. Susie has come through the Just You podcast workshops. She's to date. She's at the point where she knows her vision. She knows her story. She wants to pursue it and start sharing it. She also is very aware of her why. She's ready. She's at that creation stage and now she needs to start sharing. I'll start sharing next month when I have more time. I'll do a couple more courses on the subject that I already know about and then I'll be more qualified to start. But I don't have enough money to start doing what I want to do now, so I'll have to wait until I get some more money in the bank. I'm not as established as Jenna. She has a lot more followers and I can't talk about the same things. I tried, but it wasn't really what I envisioned in the end, so I'm just going to leave it for now. No one really cared about what I had to say or share anyway, so it mustn't be good. Our babe Susie is falling victim to comparison and not feeling as though she's good enough or ready to start creating, so she won't. Five years will go down the line and she'll get a moment to herself and she'll say, oh wow, I had that dream. Maybe this year I'll try that again, but another five years will go on because she'll still have those self-limiting beliefs and that imposter syndrome that shouldn't even exist. You're never going to be ready to start. You won't be the best at the beginning, but you should share it anyway. And who is Susie? I've no freaking clue. I've just made her up so that you get the picture, but you get it now, right? Susie is in all of us. When faced with this circle jerk of limiting beliefs, 
this, my friends, is where Tracy's words really cut in deep for me. She said to me, Janika, you have this vision, but you're expecting to be running when you haven't even crawled yet. Like a baby, you need to learn how to crawl first, then you'll walk, and then you'll run. Mercedes also hinted to this advice in our chat. She said, you just have to start. Your first draft is going to be crap, like most writers have crap first drafts in comparison. But you crawl there, then you get up and you start walking. You might learn a little bit more, connect with someone from your crawling stage. You might open up more doors and start walking. But you do it without comparison, without feeling inadequate, because you've crawled. You've earned the right to be walking. You feel justified. It instills confidence in you. Then when you're ready, you run with it. There is no real time limit on this crawl, walk, run thing. It's unique to every storyteller and they don't take equal amounts of time either. You might find you only walk for a little bit and then you're running before you know it. But what it does relate to is the ability to understand that your initial starting point is exactly that. It's just a start. Whatever it is that you're wanting to create, share, do, step into your storytelling power and just start crawling. Start creating it without judgment, without comparison, without self-doubt. Why not you? Why can't you as well? Scarcity mindset does not serve you in your storytelling because as I teach, every single one of us shares through a unique lens anyway. You may feel urgency to share, but notice the difference between how those two words feel for you. There's plenty to go around. Okay, friends, that's it from me today. Thank you so much for joining me this week. I'll be sure to link all of Mercedes' details in the links below. Until next time. Bye.